from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies, this is Pardes from Jerusalem. I'm Larry Kluger, a Pardes alum. This week, Tate This week, Rabbi David Levenkrus discusses Tate Rabbi David Levenkrus is an adjunct member of the Pardes faculty. And now, Rabbi David Levenkrus. Thank you, Larry. Um, whenever I teach the class I'm teaching today, Clothes Maketh the Priest, at Pardes, I always ask one or two brave souls to come up in front, and I ask if they are willing for people to judge them or to say what their assumptions are on the basis of the clothing that they wear. And often very, very interesting things come up. Sometimes people are spot-on accurate um, with, um, with what they say. Sometimes they're not. But whatever the case might be, the fact of the matter is, or the my opinion of the matter is, that very, very often we look at people and make lots of assumption based upon the way they dress, regardless of whether we think this is a good thing or not. The best example I can give actually happened with a student who I'm still very close with, who came to Pardes every day, perfectly dressed, shirt very, very neatly, ironed, crisp pair of pants, looked very, very sharp every single day, gave a certain impression of being very, very clear-cut. Then the last day of um, his time at Pardes, we were talking, and I suddenly said to him, have you had your tongue ring in the whole year? And he said, yes. And I said, I never noticed. And I said, and I have to be honest, if I did had noticed... I probably would have treated you differently. Is that good? No. Is it wrong? Yes. But the reality is that we often judge people, I often judge people according to their perspectives that I get from them based upon what they're wearing. And this becomes a fascinating issue when we look at the whole issue of the priests and priesthood and why the Kohen and the Kohanim and the high priests why they have to dress in a certain way, and what message is that trying to give them. And through doing this, we're going to get to lots and lots of interesting things about leadership, about the purpose of clothing, about what does it mean to listen to people, even what does it mean to be a committed Jew. So let's go in and slowly but surely go through the texts and see what they have to say. So in Shemot 28, Psukim 2 to 3, it says, V'asit a big day, Kodesh, le'aron, achicha, le'chavod, we should make garments for Aaron that are le'chavod, for honor, u'letif eret, and glory. V'asit big day, Aaron, le'kacho, le'kahano, li, and you should make it so that he should be holy in order to be my Kohen. So this seems to be that in some way, Aaron is putting on the garments because it's for God. It's, um, it's for God's sake somehow. If we, It's a way to serve God. Now let's go and have a look at what the um, commentators say. Rashi, the famous standard commentator. Which he actually um, be, enters into the kuna. He becomes a kuna. By putting the clothes on Vilashon Konashavutu, and it's a form of service. This is true in Judaism, where the Kohen could only serve if he had his garments on. 
The same thing is true, by the way, for the Catholic priests. As far as I know, and please, if I'm wrong, write in and tell me. As far as I know, if a Catholic priest has not got his garments, he is not able to give communion or to take um, confession. And so over here, somehow, clothes make at the priest was not just a cute title. It really is in some way. When the Kohen is wearing his garments, he is a priest. When he's not, he's also a priest. He has some of the rights and privileges of priesthood, but he's only in his priestliness when he puts his garments on. Um, the Ramban brings in an interesting idea. He speaks about them being nechbadim mufuarim, distinction of beauty, and then he says, ki ela habagadim, habagadim, and that they are garments of royalty. I know I'm not a big believer in the royalty, but I know when I went to see the crown jewels in England, when we were visiting, um, it, there was something that it did for me. It inspired, it gave me a feeling of something greater um, and bigger. Again, it comes back to the Catholic Church in some way, perhaps because in the West, this is the closest that we have to this glory, this um, pageantry um, in the world. But I know that, um, that, that, that there's always this machloket, this debate in Catholicism, like, should we build big churches or should we use the money for something else? And it would seem, obviously, to use the money for something else. But there's also the idea that people want big churches. They want to be inspired. They want to have awe. They want to have a feeling that there's somebody greater and who lives a more charmed life. And we know, again, I'm not one of them, but how strongly people are royalty watchers. And recently, with all the different goings on in the British royal family and marriages, how people, how people are really into it. So we've seen the idea that it is for somehow shows his connection to God, that it's a form of service, that it's what actually makes the Kohen, that it's a touch of something special in our lives, something grander, something bigger, something more more hand, more than that. Um, the Ibn Ezra echoes the idea that um, it's something that you do, that the Kohen wears, when he is serving in the great um, place, or ala derech, veloya kachueta amba big day hem, and he shouldn't um, make the people holy when he is in his regular clothes. And here it becomes something very interesting: the clothing is a kind of a uniform to keep and to make the priest different from everybody else. It's like a police, a crime prevention officer, or a nurse, or a doctor, wears clothing, and that clothing in some way shows who they are and um, what they're able to do. It it separates them from um, other people. Here it's more of a social thing. Svorno, very interestingly, says... It's for God. And that he should inspire the people with awe. And here it's for God, but it's also to give the people awe of God. And we really have this idea that there could be three reasons why a Kohen wears the special garb. For God, 
for themselves in order to become a Kohen or for the people. Here it's not a touch of royalty, but really a touch of God with um, in our midst. Everett Fox in his translation says, tr- comments, translating Kavod's glory enables one, this is number six, to see the priest's garb a reflection of the divine splendor. God is somehow amongst us. One very bright student said that the priestly garbs are the clothing that God would wear if God wore clothes. The Malbim, the next one, number seven, takes it even further. Let's read it. He says, glory accrues to a person even because of God-given abilities. There's some things that are inherent. We get them. People are clever. People are good-looking. People. Some people are funny. That's nothing. That's just something that you've gotten. This is glory. While splendor refers to the regard they have earned by their own accomplishments. This is what I do with what I have. The vestments signify both the glory that was due to the priests as a result of their appointment as ministers of the tabernacle service. The clothing is a sign of what they were given. There was nothing special about them per se. Maybe their great-great-great-great-grandfathers. There was nothing special about them per se that they had the, the garments. But it also represents the spiritual splendor that would result from their own efforts. And this sort of brings the two together about whether the clothing makes us or we make the clothing. Here it is saying both. That the clothing represents both the gift and the challenge. The gift that you were given something special, the challenge that you have to do something with it. Um, the, um, so lots and lots of different ideas. For God, for people, for people and God, for the Kohen himself, to show a touch of royalty, to show a touch of holiness, to emphasize that things are not only what I'm given, but also what I do with my um, gifts to somehow bring me closer to God, to show that I'm of service, to distinguish me from other people. Lots and lots of different ideas have come up on the first page of our soul sheet. If you look over the page, we see a little bit more of playing with these ideas. The JPS commentary says, sacral vestments, so-called, because the high priest wore them while officiating the holy priest, holy place, got that, or because the vestments were endowed with sanctity since they were anointed with oil. So this is something very, very I wouldn't say different, but here we're going more into the mystical or the inherent or the magical, if you will. What makes his clothes special is they were anointed with oil. They um, are part of this cultic celebration. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to what Shmot 29 says. It says, That the clothes that Aaron have should be passed to his descendants. The way that you become a Kohen is that your the clothing is passed down on to you. This is, it's sacramental. It's easing one into the role, but it also brings the idea of inherited glory, something that comes from the past. Um, and then finally, Rashi says something very interesting I'd say echoing in the Malbim, but it's not um it's not um it's not correct. It's a bit of a um not correct from the time viewpoint. He says 
Lemeshchai here signifies to be exalted through them, through the garments he is invested with the high priesthood. This teaches us that if the high priest has a son who equals him, they must appoint him Kohen Gadol in his place. Rashi goes a little bit more onto the side of meritocracy. We said before that the Malbim says some things we're given, some things we do with them, but we we decide what to do with them. But presumably, even if the Kohen didn't do something good with his clothing, um, he would still um, he would still be allowed to be a Kohen. And Rashi says no. If the Kohen does not take the best of his role, if the Kohen does not do what he can, and he has a son who indeed does do that, then the son should become the Kohen Gadol, going inside the meritocracy. There is so much here. And as I'm teaching, and as I was preparing, screaming at me all the time, as we were going through this, was Max Weber's three definitions of leadership. Charismatic leaders who rule through the force of their personality. This was very often not the priests in ancient Israel, but the prophets. Traditional leadership where people lead because of the power of history or of an order. And this is very, very strong um, in this um, passage that you are a Kohen because you of your system. You had Moses, who was somebody very different. And finally, we have rational legal, what today we would call bureaucratic. This is because of the office and the person. The way that I read these texts is saying, Kohen, the traditional we're going to give you, the rational legal you have, but you have to decide, do you want to remain only in the world of traditional and rational legal, where a system gives you power, or where a bureaucracy gives you power, or are you going to take it further and become a charismatic leader as well? Some Many Kohanim did not le- reach the challenge. Instead of using the traditional and the rational legal for good purposes, they often abuse the system. On the other hand, many of them also did um, become charismatic leaders as well. Nowadays, I think all of us are Kohanim in a way. There are, we are in positions where we have big or large power because of a system. We might have inherit, inherited certain a place in a family, in a business, in a shul, in a country. We are the ones who, has to have, who have to say, wait a minute, are we able to take the traditional and rational legal aspects that we've been given and are we able to add to it charismatic Charismatic leadership, value-based leadership. I know that I'm using the term slightly wider than Weber did. Are we able to take what we are given? Are we able to take the places that we happen to be in and push it just that step further? Good luck to you and good luck to me. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Rabbi Levin Cruz. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode of Pardes from Jerusalem.